4640. Tonight is an awesome night. I'm so excited because this is our annual student speakers night. So that means instead of us pastors coming out and opening the Bible and telling, teaching you something awesome or telling you a ridiculous story that happened in our life, the actual preachers are your peers, the students you go to school with, other middle school kids. Tonight we're going to have six speakers that are going to be teaching from the Bible and their own life experience. So I hope that you will listen to them and I hope it'll challenge you and you'll ask yourself some questions like, am I taking my faith seriously enough? Am I allowing God to speak into my heart from the Bible like these other students are? Maybe that'll challenge you to kind of push forward in your own spiritual life. So if you would, give it up for our first speaker tonight, Anna Burnett. Growing up in church, you hear all these Bible stories. And if you're anything like me, you've sat here and wondered, why do we need to learn these stories if it's just from a long time ago? Then as we get older, we kind of piece them together and learn that they can really help us and learn that they really are important. But we never really fully understand why we need to learn these as much as they say until we start applying them to our lives. There's one story I've always related to and started applying most to my life, focused on throughout school, family, and even sports. The story is Daniel in the lion's den. And if you haven't heard of it, let me just tell you. So Daniel is raised to high office by his royal master, King Darius. Daniel's jealous rivals trick Darius into issuing a decree that for 30 days, no prayers should be addressed to any god or man but King Darius himself. Any who break this decree are to be thrown to the lions. But this did not stop Daniel from praying to our God. And he was caught. Daniel was so high in office and close to the king that Darius didn't want to throw Daniel to the lions. Darius realized he had been tricked into signing the decree, but had to abide by and follow through as it said. So Daniel was thrown into the lion's den. He spent a night in the den, and all the king's men knew for sure he would be dead by morning. As they went to remove the stone from the den, the king cried down to Daniel. Daniel had lived. And when the king and his men asked how he is not dead, Daniel told them that God sent an angel to come and close the mouths of the lions. Darius then issued a new decree, claiming that everyone should bow down to Daniel's God, because he's the one true God. Our lions don't always look exactly like Daniel's. A lot of the times our lions can look like toxic friendships, teachers, coaches, abusive parents even. How many times have you prayed asking for your problems or lions to just go away and not affect you anymore? Let's look at what, lion, what Daniel did in his situation. Daniel 6.22 says, My God sent his angel to shut the mouths of the lions so that they would not hurt me, for I have been found innocent in his eyes, and I have not wronged you, your majesty. Daniel's experience in the lion's den had to have been nothing short of scary, yet he depended on God for his protection. So about five years ago, I got thrown into my own lion's den. I was nine when my parents told me about the divorce and I've had to learn that it was not my fault. I had to learn that I didn't have a choice. The situation was my den, and the thought of it being my fault were my lions. I, to this day, have to keep my faith strong and keep fighting the battle of my lions. But in Ephesians 6.16, it says, 
In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows from the devil. Even through lion's dens, like that, have, that you have no way out of, that you have no choice in, like divorce, God will protect you from the lions inside. See, it tells us that God shut the mouths of the lions. He didn't pull Daniel out of his situation, but he protected Daniel inside of it. Sometimes we don't have a choice. Daniel was thrown into his lion's den not having done anything wrong. And sometimes we get thrown into bad situations or trouble asking, what do we do to deserve it? But as we get thrown into them, we have to go in knowing God is able. Your enemy strives to see you hurting, strives to see you being attacked. But when we know for sure and keep our faith strong, our God will shut the mouths of the lions before the enemy even sees they're there. So good. And I want you to realize Anna's in eighth grade, you guys. She is a student just like yourselves, as all our student speakers are. So I want you to really think when she says these words, I didn't pay her to say these words. She's saying these words from her heart because this is the experience that God has brought to her, her life. Now, our next speaker is in sixth grade, and this is Lauren Inglehart from Redlands Middle School. Have you ever wondered if God is real or if he listens when we talk or pray with him? That can happen sometimes and then we get carried away with it. That's say in school for us. I have a story to share that might help you know that God is real and he listens. So I had this rash called PMLE. That stands for polymorphic light eruption. That means I was allergic to the sun and that if any part of my body was exposed to the sun, I would get hives and start to itch. And after a couple of weeks, the hives would turn into scabs. The scabs would then start to flake off of me. This rash was almost like a disease, preventing me from going out in the pool without a wetsuit or two other layers. It would also keep me up all night, crying and unable to fall asleep until very, very late. I struggled with that rash and went to four different kinds of doctors for it, looking for a cure. We were told there was no cure and that I would have it for another 20 years at least. It was really hard for me and my family, especially my mom and I, but we didn't give up hope and my whole family continued to pray and pray. Again, I would go out in the sun and get my rash. My mom found these farmers who sell raw milk and kefir. Kefir is like a liquid yogurt with white clumps in it. I know it sounds gross, but it was a thing that would change my life forever. My mom told me to drink them both, and I did. They didn't taste very good at first, but then I got used to it. I had kefir for about a month, twice a day, and we tried to go outside into the sun again. Kefir is what began to heal me. I went outside again and realized that I was healed. My mom and I were overjoyed when we knew that this would change the course of both of our lives forever. John 16:33, Jesus says, Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. How this story connects with showing people that God is real and he listens is that when everything felt hopeless, when I thought that I would have my rash for another 20 years, we kept on praying and hoping that wouldn't be the case. It wasn't and God healed me. Even though we have no clue what the Lord is going to heal us with or how he is going to heal us or even when he will, we know he will, so we just have to trust him. It could be that your parents had a divorce or you just can't seem to get rid of bad thoughts or even a special need or disability that you may have. You just need to pray, hope, and trust and believe that God will heal you. Even if it's not a physical cure or healing, it could be emotionally instead. If you ask the Lord and trust in God, he is waiting, and he has made a way to make your life easier, better, and stronger. Keep praying and trusting in God, and he will heal you, 
and he will heal you some way. Sometimes God's plans can be confusing, but he does it all for a reason. Whether the Lord heals you right away, not at all, physically or emotionally, he does it all for a reason, and he loves you, cares about you, and hears you no matter what you do. Even when things feel or are as hopeless as they can get, Jesus is still with you and listening to you constantly and all the time. In 1 Peter 2.24, it says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we may die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. I hope that now everyone will try to keep their eyes fixed on the Lord Jesus Christ, no matter what's going on in or around you. I know that God is waiting for each and every one of you to find him and praise him all day, every day. Everybody in here has a situation of some sort, whether it's a little one or a big one. Keep praying and trusting the Lord and he will see that you care about him and you love him. He will also notice that you believe in him and are seeking him. So whatever you're going through, make sure you know he is there seeking him like you are seeking him. In Romans 3.22, it says, this righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. So good. That was awesome, Lauren. I'm so proud of you. The next student speaker is also in, are you in seventh grade or eighth grade? Eighth. Eighth grade. He's in eighth grade, y'all. Eighth grade, Caden Dowdy. Many of the people mentioned in the Bible had lives that were full of trouble and problems. And in the middle of all their troubles and problems, they made some pretty bad decisions. Yet even after all the mistakes were made and after all the problems and trouble, God forgave these people and was able to turn their lives around and help them break from their problems and sins. Okay, raise your hand if you have problems in your life. Everyone. Okay, now raise your hand if you've messed up, sinned, made mistakes. Everyone. You see, all of us have troubles and all of us have made mistakes. And just like the people of the Bible, God can help us get through these hard times. God has some different names you can call him by, names like Redeemer and Savior. These names remind me of what God does for me every single day. God shows mercy and grace and forgiveness to all who will accept him. Your troubles and mistakes are never too much for God to handle. For the Bible says in Psalms 103.12, He, meaning God, has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. What that means is God takes our past mistakes far away from us so that we don't have to worry about them any longer. And we don't have to worry about them any longer because we are forgiven. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 3.17, For the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Therefore, if you receive the Spirit of the Lord, you will in turn receive freedom from the troubles and problems of this life. These truths remind me of a story in the Bible in the book of Joshua. A woman named Rahab lived in the city of Jericho. Rahab was a sinful woman. God sent the Israelite army to destroy the city of Jericho, and Rahab saved two Israelite spies sent into the city from capture, and the Israelites were very grateful. And because of her deed, and because she trusted and believed in God, her and her family were spared from death when her city was destroyed. Because Rahab trusted in God, she was spared from death and despair. It didn't matter that she was sinful. What matters was that she trusted God. You see, it doesn't matter for you if your lives are chaotic and filled with problems, and it doesn't matter if you disobeyed God and sinned repeatedly. No matter what you've done, God will always love you and forgive you if you trust and love him. Here is a verse that reminds me of this truth. Romans 8, 2. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. God can help us break away from our messed up, troubled lives.
So before I was born, my biological father had some problems in his life. He got into some bad things that he shouldn't have. And just like all of us, he made some mistakes. But God was able to help him break free from those mistakes. He's now living a happy life up in Wyoming. And because God helped him break away from his sins and troubles, I was able to have a better, more healthy relationship with him. God helped him get back on his feet and helped him break away from his old troubled life. Jeremiah 29:11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. This verse reminds me that the trouble and suffering in my life is not what God has planned for me, and that what he has planned for me is of a good and hopeful future so that I can prosper. Here are some other verses that help me to remind me of God's love and forgiveness. 2 Corinthians 5:17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, and the new is here. 1 Corinthians 8.3, but whoever loves God is known by God. And 1 Corinthians 13.8, love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. This verse means that love is never ending, even though other things will end and fail. God's love is never ending. He will never stop loving you, even if you have messed up a million times. His love is bigger and stronger than all your mistakes. Here's what you should take away from this is that your mistakes and sins are never too much for God to deal with and that God's plan for you is to give you a good and hopeful future where you prosper and thrive as a child of God. Excellent job, Caden. So much truth. And I hope that you're really listening, that you're focusing in on these truths and you're thinking about how do these apply to my life because I think a lot of times it's easy to think, oh man, all this God stuff at 4640 doesn't really apply to me because I'm not from a perfect family. I don't have everything together in my family or my life's a little bit of a mess. But I hope you're sensing a theme as each of these students share their life that you're seeing a little bit of yourself in them. You're seeing a little bit of your situation and you're recognizing, man, if God can do that for them, God can do that for me. I hope that's what's starting to click in your mind. Our next speaker is Maddie. Maddie goes to the 8-9 and she's here to share with you tonight as well. Have you ever been forced in something that you didn't want to do? Like getting dragged to a party when you'd much rather stay home, or shopping with your parent while they talk to an old college friend and you and their kids stare awkwardly at each other? Well, friends, that's exactly how it was for me the first time I went to 4640. I did not want to go. Just for reference, this was me in middle school. Mm-hmm. This poster took me three days. Most of you probably did, or probably do sports or something similar. I drew a, a giant My Little Pony unicorn and hung it in my room. Forget this, the better part of two years. <laughs> this is what I did in my spare time. I didn't really care for the people at my school because I didn't give them a chance and ate lunch with the teachers every day of eighth grade. The reasons I didn't want to go to 4640 were dumb looking back on it. First, there were going to be people my age. Second, it took time out of my day, but the third problem was the most significant. I didn't have that many friends, especially not any that would come to church with me. Nonetheless, about halfway into my sixth grade year, I went. My mom walked me in, signed some papers, and left me with a few people on blue team. And guess what? My mom was right. I absolutely loved it. Pretty soon, I convinced one of the only friends I had at the time to go with me. She started to love it too. Every Wednesday night, we would come, hang out, kind of worship, kind of listen to service, and then leave. If she came, I came. If she didn't feel like coming, neither did I. 
Sure, it was fun, but even though I was in God's house, he was completely missing from these nights. We continued like this until right around conference of my eighth grade year. We were both signed up, paid, and ready for conference. I thought this was going to be the best one yet, but sometimes God does things that we don't understand in the moment. The night before conference started, my friend canceled on me. I don't quite remember why she decided not to come, but going to conference alone was awkward and difficult. Those three hours of free time seemed like an eternity, and watching everyone else have a good time while I internally sulked was not fun. I came home each day in tears, and after that conference, I decided I wasn't going to put myself through that again. I completely stopped coming to 4640 in the fall of eighth grade and didn't come back for another year, only because of the rejection I felt from my friend. It transferred to the church rejecting me, and so I left. That decision was one of the dumbest I'd made, and that year was worse. I had such horrible anxiety about everything and didn't trust God with any of it. This caused my immune system to completely crash. I had managed to get sick every other week of my eighth grade year, so 18 colds when I should have had maybe two. Then came ninth grade, and I was reminded that I could come to 4640 on Tuesdays now. Of course, I still didn't want to, but after the promise of taking a different friend with me, I finally gave in. The reason it took so much convincing is because three general things were running through my head. One, what would make this time any different? I felt alone before, why not now? Two, it's probably going to be a lot more boring, plus a waste of my time. And three, I hadn't gone in a while. My thought process was somewhere along the lines of wearing a retainer. Stay with me here, but who's had braces in here? How many of you have had a retainer or have one now? You know that feeling of impending doom when you put off wearing it for a few days and you know it's going to hurt when you put it back in, but the longer you wait, the more it will hurt? I thought coming back to church was going to be like that, painful and a little embarrassing. There was nothing stopping the people here from treating me differently after not coming. In fact, I wouldn't even blame them if they had. I rejected them, so they should reject me too, right? All of these were lies from the enemy, trying to get me to stay defeated and not return to Jesus. And of course, I was completely wrong. That night, I was welcomed with some of the biggest hugs and best words of encouragement I had ever received. This whole experience reminded me of one of the parables or stories Jesus preached when he was here on earth. It's called the prodigal son. To illustrate this point further, Jesus told them the story. Luke 15, 12. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So the father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. Imagine telling your parents that. Hey dad, you're getting old. I want your money now, please. And then you leave him to die. Can you imagine how that would cause a rift in the relationship? If someone that did that to me, I probably wouldn't be very happy about it. After this, the son runs away, rejects his father, and wastes all of the money. I can kind of relate to him here. He ran from something wonderful and didn't know it until he left. Do you guys know how many other churches have a foam pit, cafe, zipline, and free food? Let me tell you, it's not very many. We are so blessed that the Lord gave this to us. Anyways, the son comes back to his father's house, begging to be a servant. Luke 15, 20. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. Is this how you would react if someone took your money, left you to die, and then came running back? He didn't even say, I told you so. Then the father throws a big feast, welcomes his son back home, and forgives him for everything. Of course, the other son was mad, and the father explained to him, Luke 15, 32. 
We had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and came back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. The way I see it, God is meant to represent the father and us, the son, who took off with the money. He wasn't mad when the son returned home. Instead, he was overjoyed. Just like in the story, God wants to give us things. In this case, a feast. But with us, it might be the promise of peace, joy, or with me, friends. I had to set my first friend free in order to get an amazing group of friends now. Whatever you have to set free in your life can't compare to the amazing things God has planned. My story and the prodigal son's story prove that. Great job, Maddie. Our next speaker is in sixth grade, and his name is Caleb Miller. Everybody give it up for Caleb. Hi, my name is Caleb Miller, and I'm here to tell you about my fifth grade experience. One of the hardest school years I had was fifth grade. I went to a smaller school, and it was the same group of 23 kids since preschool. For the most part, we all got along pretty well. Then came to a new staff member to my school, someone I had never met. She was a replacement for a teacher that I really looked forward to having as my fifth grade teacher. Going into fifth grade, I did not know this brand new teacher at all. I was a little nervous. At the, as the school year started, I quickly came to the realization that me and this teacher did not see eye to eye. I felt like she didn't like me, and many times I felt singled out by her unfairly. At the same time as I I was trying to adjust to a new teacher, I felt I was starting to drift further away from my close friends. I noticed that when I would hang out with the kids in the younger grades or when I was mentoring with the kindergartners, I was happier than when I was surrounded with my classmates. I really came to the point when my school year was just straight out hard. It honestly kind of sucked. I felt stressed and alone. I got to the point when I knew something had to change. My parents were very aware my grades were dropping, and both my parents saw change in me altogether. I was not myself at all. I decided that I should tell my parents what, that I was having a rough time in class. I explained what was happening in school and how I felt my teacher was treating me. It turns out my parents were on my side and believed me. Who knew? <laughs> After I talked to my parents, I really tried to focus on doing things the way the teacher wanted tried to change the way I reacted to things, and really just tried to fit in. About that time, I was sitting in my room thinking about what I could do to help my problem. I knew that I felt alone and rejected. I felt the kids in, I felt the kids in my class had ditched me, and my teacher was against me. All of this was sad and overwhelming. I knew in the depth of my heart I could go to God in this situation, and that if I did, I would probably get closer to him. I knew he would never single me out or abandon me like my teacher or my classmates. God promises in Hebrews 13:5, for God has said, I will never leave you, I will never abandon you. About this time, I started to go to the adult services on Sunday mornings with my parents. Even as a fifth grader, I started to go to God with my problems. I really just wanted to be closer to him. Not just my other friends at school or friends outside of school, I just wanted to spend more time with him. I began to love him more and more every day. I thought in hard times you had to go through it by yourself, but then I met God and he spoke to me in so many ways. All of this hard stuff is when I started to believe more in him. I was talking to him every day. 
The worst year of my life caused me to love God more than ever before, so maybe it really was the best year of my life. Great job, Caleb. Our final student speaker of the night is Natalie. Natalie's in eighth grade. Give it up for Natalie. Everyone can feel like they're not enough. Everyone can feel like they're insufficient for something. And the truth is that a lot of us do feel that way, that we aren't good enough. I know for me, sometimes when I make a mistake, I really stir on it and beat myself up and personally sometimes feel like, what the heck am I even doing? I'm not good enough for the loving family I have or the amazing friends that I have. I'm not good enough for them at all. Even just preparing for this message, I was stuck. I didn't know what I was gonna speak about. I had heard everyone else was already writing theirs and I feel like I wasn't good enough to speak in the first place. Girls, you may think, wow, she's so pretty, there's no way I'm pretty enough for guys. He's way better than me at football or basketball or wrestling. There's no way the other guys will like me and there's no way I'm good enough to be on the team. But the Bible says that we were made in God's image. He hand created each and every one of us and to him, we're perfect exactly the way we are. In the Bible, God appeared to Moses in a burning bush and told him to lead his people out of Egypt. But when Moses was called to do this, he said to God in Exodus chapter three, verse 11, but Moses protested God, who am I to appear before the Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? Moses felt that he wasn't good enough to complete the Lord's task. He felt weak. But the Lord likes to use people who feel like they aren't good enough. 1 Corinthians 1, 26 through 28 says, Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring nothing what the world considers important. The Lord purposely uses people who are judged as less and who think of themselves as not good enough to fulfill his kingdom work. Holly Girth says, the enemy tricks us into thinking we aren't good enough because he knows if we discover the truth, we'll be unstoppable. The enemy slips lies into our heads and tricks us to make us believe those lies are true. But the Bible says there's no truth in him, for he is a liar and the father of lies, John 8:44. Or as Pastor Hooper Sr. would say, he is a lying liar who lies. So when you feel that you aren't good enough or that you aren't suitable for something or aren't perfect to everyone else, just remember those lies from the devil can be casted away in a single prayer or even just a few simple words and that you are perfect in God's eyes. In everything you do, the Lord sees beauty and strength. In 1 Peter 4.11, Peter says, do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. You may not feel perfect, but to God, you are a masterpiece. You are priceless in his eyes. You are enough. So I need to close your eyes for just a second. 
And I want you to just create some privacy for everyone around you. And I want you to begin to think and ask yourself a question. You heard these students come up and they talked about their own faith in God. They talked about how God walked them through the hardest moments of their life. Some of them got really raw and really honest and shared with you some hard stuff that they went through. But they also shared that there was a God and his name is Jesus and that he never left them, that he never abandoned them, that every step of the way they felt close to him, they felt his presence. And I don't know, some of you have been coming to 4644 a long time. Some of you, it's probably your first or second time. But, but I want to ask you this question. Do you know Jesus in that way? Do, do, you, do you know that when you go through a hard time, that when you're hurting, that when life really sucks, that you are not alone? I know that there's some of you that do know that, but I know that there's some of you who don't. And if you're recognizing tonight that, that maybe you don't know that. Maybe you don't have that type of relationship with Jesus where, where you've invited him to be the center of your life. Each of the six speakers tonight invited Jesus to be the center of their life. Each of these speakers said, Jesus, I need you. I cannot do this life on my own. And maybe you're here tonight and you're realizing that that is exactly what is missing in your life. So with every head lowered and every eye closed, I want you to answer that question. Do you know that Jesus is the center, the Lord, the leader of your life? And if you don't know that, you can change that right now in this moment. If you'd say, Pastor JL, I need to make, I want to make Jesus the center of my life, the Lord of my life, like these students that spoke tonight, would you just, in privacy, would you just lift up your hand? Everyone's eyes are closed, everyone's heads are bowed. Lift up your hand and you're saying, I am choosing to make Jesus the center of my life. I don't think he is right now, but I need to make a change. I want to make a change. Guys, this is so key because 4640 isn't a rec center. This isn't a Wednesday night thing. This is, this is everything that matters. So if you're raising your hand right now, you're saying, Jesus, I'm, I'm moving you to the center of my life. You're becoming the Lord and the leader of my life. It's not about me, it's about Jesus. You can put your hands down. For the benefit of those who raise their hands, let's pray this prayer together after me. Dear Jesus, I know that so far you haven't been the center. I've been the center of my life and I've done wrong things and I'm sorry. I choose now to make you the boss, to make you my Lord, to make you my savior. Jesus, give me faith when I walk through hard things to know that you're right there with me. Help me to follow you Help me to get to know you and help me to live my life the way you would want me to. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to the 4640 Student Center Podcast. For more information on what's happening in 4640, you can check us out on social media and at our website, 4640gj.com. Service times are Tuesday and Wednesday nights. Hope to see you there.